Hey everyone, thank you so much for letting me join you this week. We are in a series that we've entitled Foundations, and we're talking about some foundational beliefs in our faith, and they are so important to talk about, especially during uncertain times, when everything around us seems to be changing in ways we can't even predict. It's good to know there are some things that will never change. Last week, we talked about a confession that Christians have always made that Jesus is Lord, which means he can solve any problem because he's master of all. This week, we're going to talk about another confession that Jesus is our Savior. And that's important because that means that he came into the world to rescue sinners like you and me who need saving. Look, during these uncertain days when we've been working from home and had strange schedules and we've had all kinds of financial pressures and we've been adjusting our lives in a million different ways, there are many times when we feel like complete failures. Like we're not, I don't even know what's going on. And even if we embrace the fact that Jesus is Lord and he can solve any problem, why would he want to help somebody like me? I'm so messed up. I, don't need, I just feel worthless. If you have ever felt that way, I've got great news for you today. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. People who are lost to give us worth, to give us meaning, to give us a brand new life, to give us forgiveness of our sins. And we're going to talk about all that today because Jesus is our Savior. We have God's Word on it, and it is greatly encouraging. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, right now, uh, Lord, we are so grateful that you love us. I pray that today you will speak and move me out of the way and encourage us. Father, there are many times in our lives when we feel like we are confused and not measuring up. There are other times, Lord, we feel completely unworthy. And why would the God of heaven want to take time with me? And today, I pray that you will remind us how much you love us and that you want a relationship with us. Lord, please speak. Move me out of the way. Give us words of hope. Give us words of truth. Give us foundational faith in uncertain times. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Well, if we're going to talk about Jesus as our Savior, there's a perfect little story in Luke's gospel that explains to us why it's so important to believe these things. It's a story of a man named Zacchaeus. Let me just read it to you. It's from Luke 19. These are the first 10 verses. It says, Luke records for us that Jesus entered the city of Jericho and made his way through town. Now, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Well, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And today I want to talk with you why it's so important that Jesus said that he had come, when he talked about the Son of Man, he was talking about himself, 
to seek and to save those who are lost. I mean, those are the two big points I want us to focus on today, right from this story. First of all, it's important to remind ourselves that Jesus came to seek lost sinners. He came to seek them. He came to seek Zacchaeus. I mean, it doesn't mean that much to us to hear he was a chief tax collector, so he worked for the IRS. I mean, what's the big deal? Well, in those days, you have to understand that the whole nation of Israel was under Roman occupation, and Zacchaeus wasn't collecting taxes for the Israeli government. He was collecting taxes for the Romans. I mean, and the people hated the Romans. And this guy then was viewed as a traitor. And not only did he collect their taxes, the way he made his own living off of this is, the Romans said, well, you need to collect our taxes for us, and you can charge whatever you want above that, whatever you think you can get away with. And that's what Zacchaeus did. And so he scammed a lot of people. He became very rich by extorting money from them and cheating them. So he was a liar, a cheat, a traitor. And it wouldn't have been uncommon for him when he walked down the street for people to curse him to his face or to spit on him. Uh, they would have been disgusted with him. There was nobody lower than a tax collector. And Zacchaeus apparently was the best because he was a chief tax collector. And so people didn't like him at all. And the Bible tells us that he was a short guy. He climbed up this tree, the sycamore fig tree, to get a glimpse of Jesus because he just wanted to see him. He had heard that Jesus was some kind of miracle worker and taught like nobody else could teach. In fact, when Jesus had come into Jericho, he'd healed a man that was blind. And so word was spreading everywhere, and Zacchaeus just probably just wanted to see him. I mean, we don't know why. Uh, he wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus so much. Maybe he was just curious, or maybe he was terribly lonely. I mean, he didn't have any friends. Or maybe he felt worthless because he'd swindled so many people he had a guilty conscience. Or maybe he was angry and bitter the way life had turned out. I don't know. But he climbed up that tree, and he just wanted to see Jesus. And then miracle of miracles, Jesus stops under the tree and says, come down. Now, I want us to note a couple of things here, is when Jesus comes into the world to seek lost sinners, this is consistent throughout. In fact, Matthew, the guy who wrote the gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, he was also a tax collector. In fact, one time Jesus had gone to dinner at Matthew's house after he'd called him to be a disciple, and Matthew had arranged for a whole bunch of tax collectors to get together to meet Jesus. And in Luke 5, a little earlier in Luke's gospel, he records this, the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, the most religious people, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, well, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. I mean, I want this to wash over us. When Jesus stopped under the tree, it says, and called Zacchaeus down, it says the people were not pleased. I mean, why would Jesus, this righteous miracle worker, this man who teaches the Bible with power, why would he be associated with this thief, this traitor, this cheat? I mean, the most hated man in town, Jesus picked him. I can almost imagine one of the disciples standing behind Zacchaeus when Jesus is, or standing next to the tree when he's telling Zacchaeus to come down. He's turning to Jesus, he's going, the mayor's right over there. Invite the mayor. Go home with the mayor. Not this guy. Oh, Jesus, do you know who this guy is? And Jesus knew exactly who he was. 
I mean, that's who he came to seek and save, the people who know they're lost. And Zacchaeus certainly did. He knew what he'd done. I mean, it's amazing. By the way, the Bible says that we're all lost sinners. Some of us recognize it and some of us don't. In fact, in Romans 3.23, Paul wrote, For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us. Well, that wasn't a mystery to Zacchaeus. He knew it full well. And he was so glad that Jesus told him to come down and that Jesus was willing to come to his house. It's also important here that, to note that Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. I don't know if you ever, I mean, you may have heard this story many times. Do you realize he stood under that tree and he called Zacchaeus by name? God was seeking him. God came into this world to seek a relationship with worthless, rotten, filthy, nasty sinners hated by everybody. And if he's willing to love Zacchaeus, why wouldn't he love me? That's why this story is included. I hope it warms your heart to know that God knows your name too. He knows my name. And when he calls us to follow him, it's not a half-hearted thing. He's been seeking us. John Wesley, uh, who started the Methodist church, called this God's prevenient grace. It's the love of God that hunts you down and seeks you out and is constantly calling to you, come to me. And that's what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. Here was Zacchaeus up in the tree just hoping to get a glimpse. And now Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. How excellent is this? This is good news. Jesus loves us and wants a relationship with us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. He knows exactly who we are, and he loves us anyway. That's why Peter wrote this. He said, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And if anybody ever asks you, why do you think it's taking so long for Jesus to come back? If he's promised to come back one day, what's he waiting for? He's waiting for more people to repent. And that's why we want to tell people everywhere, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's our Savior. Come to him. He's seeking you. And even as you're watching this video today, maybe the Lord is calling out to you today, calling you by name. Now, one other thing I want to remind us of before I leave this point is that the Pharisees were angry that Jesus went and hung out with these sinners. And if you and I, uh, just want to tell you this, if you and I go and proclaim the good news to some filthy, rotten sinners that we know, that are maybe notorious sinners in our neighborhood or in our city, don't have a good reputation, people aren't going to like that either. My, one of my first experiences with this uh, happened when I was part of a, an outreach ministry in Houston, Texas, uh, at a high school there. And there, was a, there were a group of kids who were, they were known as stoners. Um, they would use drugs and get into all kinds of trouble. And God had allowed me to strike up a relationship with one of the kids who was part of that group. The other kids in the school even called them all stoners. And... Um, but I, God really put this one young man in my heart, and I got to know him, and he was into skateboarding. He'd actually built a big skateboard ramp in his backyard, and I went over to see it one day. He wanted to show it to me, and I gave him a ride from school. Well, some uh, people who, uh, some parents of some other kids that were involved in our ministry saw me giving this kid a ride, and uh, I 
they called me the next day and they said, I saw you yesterday with this young man in your car and I've talked to my son about this and he says, you hang out with him. You've even been to his house. And I said, yes, and I, I have. And they said, don't you know he's the biggest, one of the biggest stoners in school? I mean, that's what the kids call him. And I go, yes, I do. And they go, why are you hanging out with him? And I go, because this young man needs Jesus and Jesus loves him. Oh, this is so true. Jesus is seeking us by name, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Because that's what he came to do, to seek lost sinners, but Jesus also came into our world to save lost sinners. And when I talk about salvation, and we talked about how Jesus said salvation has come into Zacchaeus' home today, I want to remind us what we're talking about when we talk about being saved. First of all, I mean, there's three dimensions to it. First of all, it means that Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. Many of us are familiar with this pretty well, but I want to make sure we understand what this is about. Romans 6.23, the Apostle Paul said, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we sin, because we rebel against God, because we, know we, because we do things we know are wrong, and we fail to do the things that we know are right, and we do them many, many times in our lives, it bears witness against us that we are rebelling, rebelling against God, that we're sinful, and we have to come to God and say, God, I haven't been living life your way. Forgive me. I am a sinner. But the Bible tells us that unless we come to Christ for his forgiveness, that the wages of our sin is death. It won't just be a physical death, but it'll be a spiritual death. It'll be eternal. It's a separation from God forever in hell. And that's why the Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to pay the penalty for our sins. Peter again, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. I mean, this is the good news of what happened on the cross on Good Friday. Jesus paid the penalty for my sins and yours in full. All the wrath of God that should have been poured out on me was poured out on Jesus instead. All my guilt was transferred to him. All his righteousness was transferred to me. And that's good news because when we come to Jesus, all of our sins are forgiven and forgotten forever. When Jesus hung on that cross on Good Friday, his final words were, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and released his spirit. And that's what John 19 tells us. When Jesus said it's finished, another way you could translate that is paid in full. All the sin debt that I should have paid for every single sin was credited to Jesus' Jesus account and all of his righteousness was credited to me. (sighs) Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sins. But Jesus did more than that. He also came to save us from the controlling power of sin. The Bible tells us this in Romans 7. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And one of the things we realize after we first become a Christian is is that Our penalty of sins, the penalty for our sins has been paid in full. But there are habits in our lives that, man, they are hard to break. There are hang-ups and 
issues we need to deal with. And as we go on in our Christian life, God is progressively showing us how to let go of those things, how to surrender them to him. A process called sanctification, where God is changing us, making us new. And that's important. it's important to keep reading where, Paul, where we left off there in Romans 7, because Paul said, when he said, who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Paul also said, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So when we come to Christ, not only does he free us from the penalty of sin, he frees us from the controlling power of sin. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to send to heaven and prepare a place for you. And when everything's ready, I'm going to come get you. But in the meantime, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he'll be with you, and he will be in you, and he will change you from the inside out. And so that's what we find happening, is that we are made new from the inside. The Holy Spirit changes the way we think. He changes the way we feel about things. And this is good news, because what it means is we don't need to try to manage our sins anymore. Paul wrote, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not only does he forgive me my sins and expect me then, now, now toe the line, now you know right, now toe the line. He's saying, hey, you were never able to change before. The Holy Spirit's going to change you from the inside out. Our site pastor in Montgomery, Don Darling, he's got a strong testimony about this. I'd like, to hear, I'd like for you to hear how he explains this. Hey, I'm Don Darling, a site pastor with Center Point Fellowship Church. And they wanted somebody to give a testimony about sin, and uh, I've had a little experience in that, so I, I thought I'd share uh, a bit of what I've experienced. Um, I don't see sin as a moral failure. I consider it a spiritual growth indicator, an area in my life that uh, God needs to work on. Uh, there's this guy named Ben, he put it this way, that sin is not a behavioral modification, it is a heart transformation. And that's something I experienced young in my walk with Jesus. Uh, he told Nicodemus, you have to uh, be born again through the Spirit of God. And that happened to me when I was about 19. And I loved the Word of God, so I used to get in it quite a bit, and reading it every night. And, and what happened is my conscience began to awaken, and it uh, grew, and it started to nag me quite a bit. And it would say things like, um, hey, you shouldn't be looking at porn. And I'd say, yeah, but my heart wants to look at porn. Uh, He'd say, like, uh, you should be tithing now at the church. And I'd say, yeah, but my heart doesn't want to tithe at the church, you know. So, but trying to be the good Christian guy, you know, I would, of my own effort, try to modify my behavior. And I'd try and, uh, trying to be a better person. And it worked for a while um, until you slip, fall, you know, miss the mark again. And, and you'd kind of do, like, God things so you feel better about yourself. And uh, the bad feeling goes away. And so finally, at one point in my life, in my walk with God, I finally said that, um, look, God, uh, if you don't want me watching porn, then uh, you change the way I feel about it. I'd say, uh, God, teach me to hate the way you hate. Teach me to love the way you love. And so I went on this journey with God, and I said, okay, God, I think you're a little old-fashioned. I mean, these are consenting adults. I don't see what your problem is. 
Um, and so in his word I went and through uh, an understanding, through insight, through circumstances, I realized, wow, you know that you know, pornography is pretty destructive. You know, it can create broken marriages, broken homes, broken children. And so I found myself about a year later uh, on a rainy evening outside of an adult bookstore with a picket sign in my hand. And I was the only one that showed up that night walking back and forth. And I said, I get it, God. I hate it. And I thought it was so cool because I experienced the transformative power of the Spirit of God that is within me. God changed the way I thought about something, which changed the way I felt about something, which changed what I did. That's uh, Romans 12, too. So I said, this is cool, God. Uh, what's next on the list, you know? And uh, so we were talking about it, and I said, well, now, come on. Uh, marijuana, uh, you made it. What do you think we were going to do with it, you know? Uh, or, um, okay, drinking, um, how much? Let's talk about that, you know? Or that one that I was doing, uh, stealing from the government. I said, yeah, but God, look what they're doing with the taxes, you know? And, um, or the one where I'd uh, say, now, tithing God, let's deal with that later, because I'm not sure I really trust you that much right now. But what I found out was that everything that people call sin in my life, I would bring it to the Father. And I'd say, God, change the way I feel about this. Change my attitude. And it's so cool. To try and do it on my own, that's what we call sin management. Of my own effort, I would try and do something. But to experience God changing me from the inside, I realized that I have a relationship that's growing with Him. And not only that, He's real because the transformative power of the Spirit of God within me. And so I just bring everything to Him. Anytime there's a sin issue or something that needs to change, I run to God with it. And uh, I let him change me and, and the way I think about it. Uh, I caution you, though, don't dare God into something. You know, I'd try that before. I dare you to change the way I feel about this. He's good at making it happen real quick, and it usually hurts that way. So what I try to do is I try to say, God, let's use wisdom this time to change the way I feel about it. And, uh, and now as I'm getting along in my relationship with God, I don't try to sin less, I simply try to love more. Isn't that great news? I don't have to focus on sinning less, I have to focus on loving more, on loving God more, loving others more, and when I find my attitude is out of line with that, I surrender to Jesus and say, God, help me, change me, empower me through your Holy Spirit to become the person that you are calling me to be. By the way, next week we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit uh, a lot more and prepare to be greatly encouraged by that. So Jesus not only came to save us from the penalty of sin, it's paid in full, but he also came to save us from the control, and not only did he come to save us from the controlling power of sin, because he gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him, but thirdly, Jesus came to save us from the very presence of sin. This is what we're looking forward to when we go to heaven. We live in a fallen world. In Romans 8, Paul said, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Because the Bible tells us 
that God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, in Revelation 21, John wrote these words. He had a glimpse of heaven. He said, I heard a loud shout from the throne, the throne of heaven, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. I mean, John was saying there's a new heaven and a new earth, and we get to heaven, there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain ever again. Everything's brand new. That's heaven. We're still living on earth. And so when I was in seminary, our seminary professors called this the promises of God that were already and not yet. We already have forgiveness from the penalty of our sins when we come to Christ. We already have the Holy Spirit working in us, changing us, maturing us so we can get free from the controlling power of sin. But we don't have the promise of heaven quite yet. That's coming. That's coming. And we get to heaven one day, it'll be amazing. Now, this is good news because eternal life is available to all who come to Jesus for salvation. I read up till uh, Revelation 21.5 where the one on the throne said, write this down. Everything I tell you is trustworthy and true. Well, he went on to say this, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. This is so important because uh, the one last life application that I would make for us today is this, is that I must ask Jesus to save me. Jesus came to seek lost sinners. Jesus came to save lost sinners, but I need to respond. When Jesus called up to Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I mean, that was an urgent request. Come down quickly. I'm going to your house today. And there comes a time in each of our lives when it becomes very clear that God is calling out to us. He's been seeking us. And it may be today for you. As you're watching this, you're going, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I haven't. I'm still living my own life. I might go to church every now and then, or I might go to a Christian meeting just to see what's going on, but I'm in control of my life, not God. And maybe this whole COVID-19 pandemic has helped us realize we really do live in a fallen world. I mean, if that hasn't convinced you, I'm not sure what would. And maybe like Zacchaeus, you've been hoping there's somebody who could help you. Maybe you haven't felt, maybe lately you felt like him or you feel lonely or you just feel worthless or you feel unloved or maybe bitter. Who knows? Come to Jesus. Because one of the reasons that he even has this story in the Bible is that every time we read it, it gives us hope. If God can save Zacchaeus, if God was seeking him, then there's hope for me. If the most hated man in town is the person Jesus wanted to have dinner with the most, well, then he can love me. Hmm. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I mean, 
Today is the day of salvation. It's a great day to come to the Lord. When God calls us, we need to come. And we're not guaranteed of tomorrow, by the way. I have many people that come to me and they're at the point of surrender and they say, well, I'll think about it. And I go, well, you can think about it. I don't want to pressure somebody. But realize this, I don't know how long I'm going to live and neither do you. And the decision to surrender my life to, to Christ happens in this world, in this life. And there's not a more important decision we're ever going to make. And if God is calling you out to you today, then you need to surrender to him. And what does surrender look like? It looks exactly like it looked with Zacchaeus. I mean, he gives us a perfect picture. When Jesus called out to him and said, quick, come down. I need to be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. And when Jesus got there, Zacchaeus repented of everything. He said, look, if I've stolen anything, I'm giving it back four times as much. I want you to know, Lord, I'm in. I want a new life. Ah, oh, that's what it looks like to surrender our lives to Jesus. I don't want anything to separate you and me anymore. I'm coming to you, and I'm coming quick. Jesus is our Savior. That's foundational. That never changes. He's been seeking us all along, and he will continue to seek lost sinners because he loves us, he wants a relationship with us, and he is the only one who can save us. Jesus is our Savior, and that's good news. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. Lord, there are times in my life when I have been convinced that I have messed up so badly that no one could ever love me. There's other times I feel lonely and isolated. And I'm wondering, is there anybody who really understands me or would even want a relationship with me? And Lord, when we come to you, we find someone who not only is willing to accept us, you know us by name. You know every hair on our head. You know everything we've done, and you love us anyway. Oh God, I pray that, that truth will wash over us today. I pray that if we have been running from you, we'll turn around and run to you. Oh God, I thank you that you came to seek and save lost people. I thank you that Zacchaeus responded in joy. I want to respond in joy. I don't want to hold anything back. And Lord, if there's areas in my life that you're working on, Lord, that are interfering with my relationship with you or with others, Lord, I confess those to you and say, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I surrender everything to you. And so, Lord, we come to you today. I thank you that Jesus is Lord and there's no problem he can't handle. But I also thank you that Jesus is our Savior. And he loves us. And he loves us no matter who we are or what we've done. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for Christ dying on the cross in my place, paying the penalty for my sin. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who fills me with power and who's freeing me from the penalty of sin. And thank you for the sure and certain promise of heaven where I'll be free from the very presence of sin forever and ever and ever. We give you thanks, Lord. And we pray these things together in the name of Jesus, the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If God spoke to you today, as I was talking, 
I'd love for you to go to our website, centeringlives.com. On the homepage, you'll see a button there that says Follow Jesus. If you click that button, we'll get some information from you, and then we will contact you because surrendering your, your life to Jesus is the most important decision you'll ever make, and it's a decision you don't need to put off. Today is the day of salvation, and it's a wonderful day to come to Him. We're going to sing about God's great love for us and the fact that we worship Him as our Savior. And so if you're in a place where you can stand and sing, then stand and sing and join us.